Welcome to High Signal. This is a community of founders who are all making revenue, and we get together every week to talk about our startups and share problems and just generally help each other out. But once a month, we're joined for an AMA with a successful founder. We're joined today with Jillian from Embark, which is an SEO content agency, which is doing $500,000 in annual revenue, which More is... More than that now. More than that. Thanks, Jillian. <laughs> uh, which is absolutely insane uh, for like a bootstrap startup. It doesn't have any venture capital or anything like that. So we're going to be asking Jillian tons of questions about that. I'm going to start off and then I'll be inviting High Signal members to, uh, to kick in with their questions. Uh, first question, do you hate puppies? I love puppies. I'm a dog person. I don't like cats as much. Um, Istanbul actually has a ton of stray dogs, so I can like pet them, and that's really nice for my mental health. Okay, that's good. That's the that's the hardest question out of the way. Uh, <laughs> um, so how um how is Embark structured? Is it like just you, or do you have other people on the team, or like how does it work? Okay, so there are two levels. Um, I hire freelancers for the writing projects, uh, basically, uh, but I also have uh, this core team that consists of founders actually so so part of like uh, a lot of like a lot of embark uh employees are actually founders or they're content creators who have successfully grown um you know uh, an online project basically so that may be a blog they may be a business or whatnot um with embark like the main criteria uh, you know, to work for us is to be creative and analytical because those are the two main things that has helped us, like, you know, grow to this amount of uh, money, basically, in six months. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what, when exactly did you start Embark? I started Embark around June 2020. Basically, uh, I was very unha- unhappy with my job uh, as a content strategist for a social travel app. Obviously, by then, there was already COVID, so it wasn't the best time to grow a travel app, full stop, basically. Um, so I handed in my resignation letter around May, left my, um, left my job, sorry, handed in my resignation letter around May, found an embark around June 2020, and left my job around July or August. I had a three-month notice, basically, and I went, um, I went full-time on Embark around August 2020, yeah. Wow. So you're over 500K uh, <laughs> a year after, like, uh, yeah, just, like, less than two years. That's crazy. Um, how did you, like, how long have you been working in contact marketing, like, before Embark? That's um that's a that's a great question. And I've been doing this professionally since 2017. I actually started my career at the United Nations, uh, okay. where I worked as a uh, you know as an outreach manager, which basically meant uh, be uh, working in marketing basically right before I graduated. Um, but I actually started with online content creation around 2010 when uh, you know I was a really unhappy kid. You know, uh, and I went to one of the worst schools in Geneva where people would like throw um, chairs at teachers and would like leave a dent on the blackboard, basically. So I was very unhappy where I was at. And like, you know, um, engaging online was like a form of socialization for me. It it was a place where I could find my tribe, basically. 
So when I was young, when I was 15, 16, I started a travel blog um, of traveling around Europe on a very strict shoestring budget, which basically consisted of like just taking the bus uh, and stuff, uh, working you know, at hostels. Um, and I also had a writing community, uh, which is actually one of the best writing communities back then for teenagers. <laughs> we actually won some awards. And those experiences helped me, uh, you know, uh, study at uni on a, on a Fulbright scholarship, basically. Um, so, yeah, I started uh, uh, in tech working for Mailjet, which is an email service provider based in France. And that's where I learned, like, you know, the terms behind the things that I've really known for a long time, like SEO, content marketing, you know, um, search engine results page and it was really easy to like get promoted afterwards because I already knew how to like make them work I just didn't know the terms behind them and that's where I am right now I'm you know I'm working full-time on Embark uh, as a founder basically yeah that's awesome well it's really good that you could find like a outlet uh, to (laughs) escape your horrible skill (laughs) and it's paid off amazingly so that's great um how did you, like, I guess a question I see a lot online is, you know, everyone wants to know how to get their first dollar on the internet and everything. How did you, when you're starting out, you don't have any, like, you know, back history or whatever. How did you get no. your first clients? Um, it's really funny, actually. I just started interacting on Twitter. I just started getting into conversations. So how I got into the indie making community is basically through Law. Um, mm. I helped her launch MakerMag, which at the time was one of the first blogs catering to indie makers. I was one of the founding editors, and through that, I I really grew my network. I was never like a, I was never like I never focused on like you know building an online presence. I was I was more focused on like building connections with like founders, I guess. And even now, I'm like you know you know building an online persona isn't really a top priority of mine. Um, I, I really prefer interacting with founders or even with just other passionate people. And like, you know, you know, that also is reflected in the way Embark is built in the sense of like, I love to hire founders as well. But yeah, so like the, uh, how I got my first clients, I just started interacting on Twitter. Um, one of the first articles on Maker Mag was an interview that I had with Ryan Hoover. <laughs> cool. And I managed to actually grab the interview just by sending him an email. And that really put me on the map, basically, in that, like, uh, more and more people will hire me for freelance writing work. And that's where it all started. Um, and I, I've, you know, I've used the same techniques for Embark. I really just interact with, on, uh, with people online. I have, like, this private list of people that want to become clients uh, of Embark. And I just interact with them, like, on a, on a regular basis until, like, oh, this guy is so annoying, but he actually provides value, basically. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, yeah, it's really good that you like were able to shoot your shot and like get someone like Ryan Hoover. I'm kind of doing the same at the moment where I'm like trying to get a rejection every day this month. So like really put myself out there. Uh, Val, you've got um, yes. a couple of questions. Do you want to kick us off? Hey, Julian, nice to meet you definitely for the first time. <laughs> um so full disclosure, uh, I, I've been using Julian's agency for, I think, two months now. Uh, yes. Very happy with it. And uh, I have a, a question. Um, 
about your clan churn rate is what is it does it did, do you actually have a clan churn rate and following up on that um what is the biggest misconceptions your clients have when they initially approach you about seo or maybe they don't have any and they're very clear about what to expect um client churn rate has actually been decreasing over time in the sense of like when i was just starting out in uh in Bob, i didn't really know like what clients to target so my so my methods were very clumsy to say the least um it's funny because like now that our prices are higher we actually have less churn rate and the churn primarily comes from very early stage um bootstrap businesses that really don't have a lot of budget uh, for seo um so they so they pay us within the range of 500 to 800 dollars per month basically um you have to understand um just to contextualize this most of our clients like our average order value for april was 1700 basically so like um you know we get like one customer churning every month and this customer pays around 500 to 800 dollars per month so that's very negligible in the larger scheme of things if that makes sense um uh to be honest though like when it comes to like customer experience we treat everyone equally um you know we try not to like we try to have to you know to like be as attentive to like the 500 per month 500 per month customers uh, as well as to the to the ones that pay us more basically that is why our churn has been very low yeah cool um so the follow up on that was um what are the the biggest misconceptions yeah people your clients have when they initially approach you about what they're expecting from SEO or are there any i always give them a timeline and they always panic um until they actually realize that the traffic is increasing um the the thing about seo is that it's 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 really a slow burn until a certain month where it just significantly increases basically and i always tell clients about this you know trajectory this timeline but it's really hard to conceptualize it until it actually happens so when it comes to you know what the biggest misconception is it's you know it's around like you know like when will the when will it bring me results and how it will bring me results basically because you know you have experience like SEO growth um you know how it can go from 0 to 100 in a matter of weeks basically once it starts to happen but even but before that it's very slow basically yeah definitely right cheers man Cool. Uh, thanks for your questions, Val. Um, Ronan, I think you've got a question or two. Hey, Julian. Nice to meet you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, like, what's what are the biggest mistakes you see founders making when starting out with SEO? Ending early, like, definitely. Ending early. <laughs> That was really yeah. easy to answer. Ending early, um, or stopping after the first or second mark because it's not growing as. fast as they expected. I don't, you know, a lot of times like people have expectations of their SEO but they don't really understand what these expectations are themselves basically. And when you drop SEO after the second or third month, it wouldn't provide the results that you want SEO to provide mainly because, you know, you have to, it's it's a compounding it's a compounding growth kind of situation basically in that like once you stop, you know, pushing content or whatever, uh you wouldn't the results that you would be getting after the six months would wouldn't be as 
large as if you've continued basically. So even if you don't hire us or whatnot, I really suggest that early stage founders write content themselves just to just so that they can have this wealth of content like building up over time, basically. Yeah. Um, so actually that's also one of the reasons why I, you know, why this April we've decided to like introduce like longer, longer term plans, basically. And, uh, and a ton of our clients uh, basically converted to the three month, six month long plans. Um, they're long, uh, they've been clients for like, you know, almost like six months now and they've seen the results basically. Uh, and, you know, that's really the timeline I give to my clients. Like SEOs start to take its effect around the third or sixth month, really depending on various metrics, basically. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I was wondering as well, like how niche can you go with your clients? Um, with the content that they request? Good question. Uh, what do you mean what do you mean by that? In terms of so in terms of keyword research, we definitely um, we definitely prioritize scaling traffic first. So that involves like targeting uh, low competition, high volume keywords. And you have to understand like the way that people search online is in pretty generic terms. So we try to like uh, you know prioritize uh, targeting those keywords basically. But in terms of clients, um, I mean, we have like a client that caters to space-related jobs, I guess. So like pretty niche, but at the same time, not really that niche. I don't, I don't know how to answer this question, basically. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Thanks. Um, I think Kanthi's uh, got a question. Hey, Julian. Thanks so much. Full disclosure, I'm not a client. Of course. <laughs> It's not a client. <laughs> yes. Not a client. Yes. Because SEO is such a sort of every online business can use it, uh, do it, or abuse it. Is there any particular client or business type that you are uh, never going to work with, like an anti-targeting? Uh, like, is because now it seems like you have like a few dozen clients um, and growing. Are there people that have even reached out and are types of people you don't have to? <laughs> name and names uh, but we've, you would never work with any type of thing um, that's the question we've been recently rejecting uh, you know uh, founders who haven't achieved product market fit with their products so that's the type of like that's the type of prospect that you would like reject mainly because you know um, Mbox specializes in scaling growth through SEO and we can't really scale growth if your churn is high <laughs> that's pretty obvious, right? You can't right? multiply 10x at zero is still zero. Yeah, exactly. It's still zero, exactly. Uh, if there's a if there's a leak in the funnel, then I cannot, you know, we cannot go forward, basically. Um, obviously, I do think that there are some businesses that just aren't good for SEO. And an obvious example of that is, I mean, Uber, basically. Like, like Uber will never benefit from SEO. And that's a really extreme example. Um, we do some basic keyword research and we're pretty like, we're pretty transparent. We're pretty honest when we say like, like when we can't find the right keywords for this time, basically just, we just say it outright and we just re, uh, offer them a refund basically. But that's almost never happened in the past few years. That's yeah. That's only happened once basically. Um, it really depends on like the business on the business, right. And like what kind of, what kind of like niche they're targeting. Like if their if their features, their functionalities aren't search ready, then like 
yeah, it's going to be hard to grow through church, if that makes sense. Yes. Thanks for that, Kanfi. I think um, our final question is probably going to be from Anna. Thank you so much. Thank you for so much for this opportunity. Um, so my question is more like on the maybe managerial side of the story. Um, we all know lots of uh, businesses that popped up recently on unlimited design base, right? Uh, I love this it is is as much as you can. Uh, the design joy that um, uh, has been mentioned also. Uh, yes. So what do you see? think is the the main reason for the failures this company uh, usually goes through is it the product side because uh, CEO is much more automated in the, in its nature than the design or is it actually um, uh, the team factor is it the management I love this question I love this question <laughs> it's such a spicy question as well basically um, in a nutshell I don't think that one man productized agencies, are a viable business model because after a while, because your positioning is so clear to so many people, it's it's really much easier to scale than like a normal agency, if that makes sense. And with that in mind, you really need to know how to perfect your management and like your systems. I'm a systems type of guy. I love to create systems. It's I actually like that's my favorite part of building a company, basically creating systems. This is such a nerdy thing to say, but it's also something that I've always loved. Um, uh, you know, building a system involves, you know, hiring the right people, obviously creating extensive documentation and different sorts of stuff, which we do using Notion. And also like, you know, um, you know, uh, meeting, meeting up where demand is basically. So you have to like, you know, supply meets demand and so on. Um, when it comes to unlimited, like when it comes to our business model, it works because we, uh, you know, embark, we, you know, we never promise on unlimited design, basically. And first and secondly, even though uh, we started on offering productized SEO writing services, that's not what we're really productizing in the end. Um, we're, you know, um, we're productizing like the whole SEO content strategy, which involves creating the content calendar, keyword research, writing the articles, prioritizing the topics, creating topic clusters. And that's um, really how we've managed to differentiate from the competition. You know, um, I know a lot of my competitors, I studied them rigorously and um, they don't really know shit about keyword prioritization. They don't really know how to create a content calendar. So that's why their methods don't work basically. Um, whereas with me, we actually have case studies where you know, we've detailed, we've, you know, we've like uh, fleshed out what we've done, the tactics, what we've done. We're very transparent without, you know, you know, uh, without revealing our secrets, obviously. Uh, and that's how we've managed to grow. Um, we, uh, you know, we, we, um, we focus on providing the value, not on the unlimited revisions aspect, because I think that sets the wrong tone, if that makes sense. Um, so for example, with a, now, with a productized design agency, I do think it works under the condition that you provide the same quality because, because people are expecting that out of your brand and actually defining clear deliverables um, submitted within a clear deadline, basically. But that's how I think that limited design aspect can work. You need to have clear expectations, basically, and you need to set them clearly. Otherwise, you know, it's all going to crumble um basically 
Uh, yes. Um, on that note, actually, like, you know, once in a while, we, we don't submit articles that are, of the, uh, you know, that are of the quality that I want them to be. Uh, and when that happens, we just basically refund um, the clients. Um, you know, we're very transparent about this. So like, yeah, that's how it works. Like uh, having a productized agency, design agency, content marketing agency, it's all based on systems and management, definitely. Awesome. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, because it mm -hmm. resonates a lot with what I'm thinking that it's essentially more about product management, how you mm -hmm. shape the, the business, how you shape mm -hmm. the structure, uh, much more than like what, what kind of features are you adding there? Yes, definitely. And when you do add features, you need to be able to, <laughs> you know, meet, you know, you, you need to be able to meet the demand for it, basically. And that's where, you know, creating the systems becomes important. Okay, thank you. Okay, awesome. That was a really good question. Um, I think we've actually got one more question from Val about AI. Oh. Yeah, dude. Um, no AI. No yeah, AI. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Here okay. I, here so I. I. I think that pretty much answers it. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, the, uh, I mean, I, I, I think I follow enough people on SEO Twitter that to know that like half of like half are really excited about AI generated content and half are like dreading it, like really against it. So I wanted to get your take on it. My take on AI writing tools is that they're not sustainable, mainly because writers aren't good editors, uh, essentially. And uh, we actually have a <laughs> we actually have a zero tolerance policy towards um, AI content in the sense that, like, we've you know, uh, when we didn't have this policy, there were some writers that would just su submit AI written content. It was so blatantly obvious, um, and. Yeah, so we don't accept it. Um, writers aren't necessarily good editors, and that's what I've experienced with Embark, definitely. Um, it's very clear when something's been written by AI, you know, they have the facts wrong, the writing is tilted, the rhythm is off, those kind of things. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, definitely against AI. Thanks, man. So cool. that, <laughs> yeah, that's good to know. Uh, a balanced opinion on AI. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. Uh, cool. Well, thanks a lot for joining us on High Signal. We meet every week, like I said, at the start of the show. And we just talk about our startups, basically, and hang out and help each other. And we've got a whole like really nice blend and balance of different types of founders. So it's really good that we can kind of complement each other's skills and interests. But um, yeah, where um, can people find out more about you and Embark and all your happenings? Uh, you can email me at julian at embark.io. So that's E-M-B-A-R-Q-U-E dot I-O. I can spell it out in the chat. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I'll, put it, I'll put it in the show notes. And yeah, awesome. um, good luck with building Embark over the next year and can't wait to see you reach a million really fast. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, fingers crossed. Hey. Cheers, guys. Cool. Cheers, Julian. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye.